It's about the relationship. We've said that a couple of times during this series, but that's the basis of all creation. God came down to be with us so that we may know and witness his character and love. And that love influences our lives, not just one day a week or during that special spiritual moment in our lives. You know, that come to Jesus moment. That love should be witnessed in all the choices we make and the actions that others see every day. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. Sabbath School U. Welcome to Sabbath School University. My name is Bethany Anderson, and these are our guests for today. Um, would you please introduce yourselves and just tell us a little bit about you? Uh, my name is Michael Martell, and I'm enjoying this experience with Sabbath School University. My name is Elroy Byam, and I love social media. My name is Abby McPherson, and I love a good game of kickball. All right, I think we can all appreciate a good game of kickball. But <laughs> today we're going to talk about living like Christ. So, Michael, if you don't mind just doing the memory verse and then saying our prayer, and we can sure. begin. Sure. Um, our scripture is coming from John uh, chapter 13, verse 34. And it says with us, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to discuss and share about the lesson. Lord, we ask that you will reveal to us um, the different ways that we can choose to live like you. We ask that you will open our hearts and open our minds and help us to be touched by the words that you have to share with us. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 So let's just begin. Um, Jesus, you know, lived his life, and he, throughout his life, he liked to tell a lot of parables. So which narrative or parables about, of Jesus to best define the meaning of love for you? To be honest, I like the one with the lost sheep, uh, and I guess also the lost coin. You know, I'm not gonna lie, if I had, you know, 99 sheep and one went away, <laughs> I'd probably just be like, uh, yeah. Catch you next time. Yeah, high 99. <laughs> but um, no, to know that he's, he goes such a distance for one, it shows that he values, you know, me amongst 8 billion other people, and I think that's huge. It's, it's a huge dimension, a huge portrayal of love for us. So I love that parable. Uh, Speaking on that, that idea of just the one, um, one of the stories that speak to me is, is the story that's presented in John chapter 8, where the woman is caught in the act of adultery, mm. and, and she's brought before Jesus, and they're, they're saying, okay, do something about this. This mm. woman needs to be stoned. And, and all the while, through all the noise that they're making, Jesus is just writing in the sand, and he's listing their sins, and he's saying, he who's without sin cast the first stone. And, and uh, you know, he's, he says to the woman, look at your accusers, where are they now? Go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. And to me that's so powerful because it's like sometimes through our, through our day, through our life, uh, through our experience, we have so many opportunities where we're sinning, where we fall, and, and, and we're caught red-handed. There's no way out. There's no excuse. You know you're wrong. But God still offers you that opportunity of grace. And we talked before about what grace really means and how that's a manifestation of love. And, and that story, to me, really explains and expresses how, how Jesus cares for each one of us. Hmm. Of course, I have to go cliche. Just go with uh, Calvary. 
<laughs> uh, Jesus dying for me on the cross, and that's like the biggest expression of love for me. The fact that, uh, well, that just the whole, the way everything went from, you know, the Garden of Gethsemane, him like sweating blood with all the pressures of the sin and being separated from his father, and just that, the agonizing torment that he went through just for me, when it all boils down to it, you know, if it was one person, if that one person was me, he would have done it all over again, and he would have done it for you, and you, and you. So that's the biggest expression of love because it's directed at all of us, but also specifically at each one of us. Mm -hmm. So to just make it personal, like, I love you, Abby. I love you, Elroy. I love you, Michael. I love you, Bethany. So for such a broad act, for it to be so personalized, that that's it's like the biggest meaning of love to me. Mm. Well, for me, my favorite parable would have to be the lost coin mm. because I stray so often <laughs> and yet God still takes the time to like clean up my life and bring me back to where I need to be. Mm. So that's something for me that definitely shows God's love. So in um, light of the parables, what implications does the parable of the Good Samaritan have for us? And that is found in Luke 10, verses 30 to 37. If, Elroy, you don't mind your reading, a little bit of it. Sure. If not all of it. Not all of it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Luke 10. Luke 10, 30 through 37. 30 through 37. Okay. And verse 30 reads, Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So when he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think the neighbor, you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Hmm. It's a pretty heavy story when you really think about it, but what implications does this parable have when it have for us? Um, it's definitely showing mercy for our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors. Um, when you see somebody who could use your help or needs an extra hand, really showing mercy and being selfless in the act to give them of your time, of your talent, of your money, uh, be it whatever they're in need of, but actually stopping in. So many times nowadays, we just pass off the responsibility to our neighbor. Oh, it's none of my business. I don't want to get, you know, in whatever situation they have. I, I want to keep my hands clean of it. But we really don't love each other like we used to. Um, what is your business is your business, and it's not of my concern. So if you trip down the hallway and hurt yourself, I'm just keeping on walking because so nowadays, like, you can, if I, even with first aid, if you cannot breathe, I literally, if you're still conscious, I have to ask for permission to help you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you did not want my help, you could sue me mm -hmm. for touching you without, like, your permission. So it, things have, have built up. And we can't show mercy to one another without trying to protect ourselves or just trying to stay out of the situation in general. 
And this story is a little loaded to me too because when you thinking about a little bit about the history of the relationships between uh -huh. the Samaritan and the Jews, and we're talking about a Levite, a priest, and a Samaritan. Okay, and this guy, I'm assuming, is of Jewish heritage. Uh -huh. And and so, just as surprising it is to read that a Samaritan stops to help a Jew. Imagine the surprise of the Jew who receives the help from the Samaritan. Like when he comes to and he's like, who helped me mm -hmm. and did what? Um, this, this to me speaks because um, sometimes the least person you are likely to think mm -hmm. can minister to you can. And, and the reason why um, the, I think about the implications that it has for us is to not discredit people, um, mm -hmm. not to overlook people. Uh, we talked about legalism before in, 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 a, in previous discussions and, and what that could look like, how that could manifest if they're not like you, if they're different. Um, Christ can be, be shown in any individual. Mm. Uh, and so being able to receive that help, to receive that grace, God doesn't say how grace will manifest itself. Right. He just offers it. And so um, to me, that's a, it's a little interesting in the way it's, it's presented here. And, um, and also just for the simple fact that this, this man didn't know who this was, and he gave so much of himself with a promise that he was going to go back, and if there was any other expenditures, I, I got it covered. It's, um, it's, it's the farthest expression of, of the good that you can do for someone you don't even know uh, that can also be considered your neighbor. I think it's huge because, um, for me personally, I believe that the biggest sin outside of rejecting the Holy Spirit is pretending that um, your neighbor and his or her neighbor don't exist. Mm -hmm. And there, there was an experiment that was done. I don't know if the, if the city was New York. I can't recall. But they had family members that were sitting on the sides of the road. They had them dressed up as homeless people. Mm. And then they took some of um, the, the homeless people, if you will, the actors, they took some of their family members and kind of had them walk by. And every last one of them completely walked by their own family member and had no idea that it was them. Completely wow. walked by. They were dressed up, homeless by the wayside, and just walked by with no, um, no sense of understanding that they just walked by blood. Hmm. You know, and until it was revealed to them that they were family members, some people just burst out in tears, some were in shock, some were rendered speechless. And it just goes to show that it's almost like if I don't know you, if I'm not related hmm. to you, I don't have a means to help you. Hmm. If you're not my brother or my it's sister, not my responsibility. you know, it's not my responsibility, as Abby just said. So, but Christ is saying, look, no, these are my brothers and sisters. You know, that, that you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. So. So we talked about how the Samaritan and the Jews are technically not supposed to really associate with each other. Um, but we're also told to love our enemies. So how do we, how are we able to live that out in our lives today? Loving enemies is tough at times, but I mean, you know, you always got to kill them with kindness and, but to really be focused and disciplined enough to continue to show um, favor, if you will, or kindness to a person who's deliberately doing you wrong at times, or it can get to deliberate actions of evil, um, to, to be able to have the self-control, um, to be able to, to just withstand what could be also abuse, it takes a lot of prayer. Um, and Jesus is just the, the, the model for that, to where he can just, just take all the stuff for people that he you know, was dying for it, he was even living for, um, it just takes a tremendous amount of discipline. And, but also accepting of Christ's love for us being that we have done and are doing him so wrong that we have to turn the tables to look at our lives to say, all right, well, 
I have to admit I did wrong last week, I did wrong yesterday, I did wrong today. Who am I to give back the same type of judgment to this person who's doing me wrong when I'm doing my Savior wrong in, in the same, you know, in the same breath? Mm -hmm. So it's just like, you know, you have to humble yourself to be Christ-like because Christ is being Christ to you. Mm -hmm. and, and that takes practice because um, if we're just honest, you, it, it, to wake up one day and just say, okay, this person, you know, is responsible for the death of my child, or this person, um, you know, stole this from me. Just to, to just say, okay, I forgive you, or yeah. okay, we're okay. Uh, I think it takes practice, and it takes practice with the little things. You know, if somebody says something you don't like, are you going to snap back, or is that the opportunity that you have to to step back from the situation for a moment and say, this is an instance where I can exercise. Christ's love. And it doesn't mean that you excuse the behavior, but you're looking at the behavior and you're saying, okay, this is a sinful human being just as I am. Mm. And this is what they've just done in this sinful way. Uh, there's nothing I can do to help myself get over that or to be okay with that. That's got to come from God. Mm -hmm. So looking for those moments that you can handle, taking that step back from, I think when you put those things into practice, you find yourself along a path where your first go-to is to call on Christ for strength for that forgiveness when the bigger things happen or if something more detrimental takes place. So um, I think as Christians, we have to always be looking and always be aware of that time or that moment where, where we are open to be utilized by Christ to share his grace, to share his love. Or else I don't know how we can love an enemy. I don't know how we can love someone who who's using us, who's hurting us. Right. And that even shows the ultimate like definition of love. I mean, Jesus says in Luke 6, verse 32, like you can't, it doesn't matter if you love someone who loves you back mm -hmm. because I mean, that's not benefiting you at all. Mm -hmm. But if you love somebody who does not love you back, like that's really showing, mm -hmm. like that's truly living like him. Cause at the end of the day, what he did for us, like it pales in comparison like what we do for other people pales in comparison to what he did to us. Mm -hmm. So, mm. Oh, it's huge. Loving your enemies is just a, <clears throat> excuse me, a mold-shattering experience. You know, I, I'm not going to wake up and say, man, uh, whoever did wrong to me last night, man, I got to find a way to love them. Mm -hmm. In and of my own nature, I'd probably be thinking everything else, like the complete opposite. Like, man, I got to find a way to get back at this person, <laughs> you know? But um, so you just know that Christ, first of all, the kingdom of heaven is upside down. Therefore, um, everything that we've learned here, you kind of got to flip it on its head to really understand what Christ is trying right. to show us, right? So if we are to repay, uh, or first of all, well, God says vengeance is mine. And I think he said that for a reason. But so if we were to pay somebody, repay somebody evil for evil, uh, we are doing exactly what the world wants us to do, hmm. you know, but if we're doing what Christ does, it completely, like I said, it shatters the mold. They're like, why are you being nice to me? Like, you know, what's your issue? I was mean to you. I know I was mean to you, you know, and it gives you a perfect opportunity to, to show Christ there through your actions. So then what is the relationship between abiding in Christ and loving our neighbors? You have to be in Christ in order to love your neighbor. You have to consistently be in him, be within his will. We, being born of a sinful nature, cannot love without Christ. So if we are not in him, if we don't have him within us, it's not even genuine love because, you know, God is love. So we can't even give a genuine or even a real love that people can feel without his help and presence. 
in Matthew 25, uh, verses 31 through 46, it, there's a brief description of, of a scenario. And in that scenario, um, we're talking about when God comes to the judgment and mm -hmm. he separates the goats from the sheep. Mm -hmm. And the, the sheep representing the righteous and the goats representing the unrighteous. And he presents to them um, their salvation. And he basically says um, in, in verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous answer unto him, and they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When were you thirsty? And, and so on. And in verse 40, he says, the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And it, it goes on to, to say the inverse to those represented by the goats, the unrighteous. And so uh, when we're talking about what the relationship is between abiding in Christ and his love and loving your neighbor, I feel like this is expressing it. In as much as you've done to the least of these, even your neighbor, you are doing it to me. I think it makes perfect sense. Um, I, mean, I can even go into John. And when I think of abide, I think of John and how he talks about, Christ talks about being the, 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 the vine and how we're supposed to be connected to him. Like you hear the word abide so many times, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my love. And abide really means to remain, to stay. You know, and if you can't remain and stay in a place that you've never been. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty much acknowledging the fact that, that we're there. Mm -hmm. We're in Christ. And once he's saying that, he's saying, stay there. Stay with me. Dwell with me. Abide in me. And as you do that, that's how you show true love to your neighbors. That's how you show my love, by staying and remaining with me. It's also an invitation as well. Mm -hmm. If you're not there... I will help you. Come mm. with me. I will show you. I've done this before. Mm -hmm. I've got this. We can do this together. Mm -hmm. So it's an invitation to uh, be able to do it together. He knows that we can't do it by ourselves. Mm -hmm. He knows that we don't even want to. Mm -hmm. So that's the only way that we're going to get it done is if we are working together, if we are abiding within one another to show love to somebody that he is also a part of. So in turn, you're showing love to the crisis in you, but also the crisis in the other person. They just need a little help mm -hmm. getting it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how can we learn to express unselfish, un disinterested love, no matter the cost to ourselves? One more time, one more time. How can we learn to express unselfish, disinterested love, no matter the cost to ourselves? Mm. It's hard, but I mean, it's doable. But how do we learn it? Uh, hmm. Once again, you know, I think it's, <laughs> it's, an, um, it's a matter of staying and remaining. You know, it's a point that I'd stressed earlier. But um, that, it's the only way. You know, we can't do it. Uh, we can't do it in our own. We can't do it of our own works. We can't do it our own, on, um, on our own accord because we fail every single time. So the way to, to, to express this, this unselfish, this interested love is by literally staying connected to the vine that is Christ, by literally remaining in him, and by being able to, once again, show Christ to others. I don't previously. One of the other things that I, that I see in scripture, and especially in the parables that are told and the, and the narratives that are, are, are given to us through scripture, um, a lot of the things that we're asked to do as Christians, a lot of the things that we're expected to do as Christians, it starts with a go forth and do. 
It's just a command. Right. And so uh, if you're expecting to live the Christian experience, if you're expected to um, participate in the Christian experience, there's something you just have to do. Mm-hmm. There's some things you just have to try. And um, there's no formula for it. If you stop to think about how you're going to do it on your own, that's just going through the motions. <laughs> but I believe that go- each individual in their Christian experience has to go through the motions mm-hmm. in order to have the experience. Mm-hmm. And so those motions become an experience, and that experience is a doorway for Christ to, to impress upon you something that now becomes uh, your nature. And so in, in Luke 6, 32 through 35, you, you referenced it earlier. It, it just says, but if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And then it says, if you do good, even sinners love the, um, excuse me, for even sinners do the same. They will do good. If you do good for them, what credit is that for you? The same for those who lend. But it says in 35, love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. So it's just simply saying to do it. Just do it. I'll piggybacking off that. Uh, yeah, trial and error. Mm-hmm. Trial and error. How do you learn something? By studying it, by doing it, even failing at times. I think a lot of times we don't do something in fear of the outcome, in fear of either doing bad or in fear of doing even good. Like, I, if I'm nice to this person who's been mean to me, they might become my friend. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to be my friend. <laughs> wow. You know? I mean, but that that's something like... If depending on whatever the situation may be, maybe you don't want to be nice to them because you don't want that person to be a part of your life. Mm-hmm. But it is trial and error. It is doing what God has asked you to do, trusting that he's going to be there with you and whatever plan he has for the, for the final outcome, trusting that is better than what you could ask, think, or even imagine. Yeah, because better yet, think about it. what could they have in return for you that's better than what God has already gifted to you, salvation. Mm-hmm. So you, when you're thinking about you know, what the outcome is. Don't worry about what the outcome is. If you slip and you fail, okay, you try again next time. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what you'll get in return. We already have the greatest gift that, that can be received. That's the gift of eternal life through salvation. And you want to give that to other people too. So Absolutely. it should be a mission to go and find out why these people are so upset, what is really bothering them, because the salvation that you're ac- accepting, you should want your brother and sister to have that same salvation and happiness, even if, you don't like them. Mm-hmm. You still, you know, it, is it, it doesn't mean that much to you to hate this person so much that you're going to forfeit your place in heaven just so, you know, so both of you all aren't there. So it's just like, is that feud really worth your salvation in the end? Are you really going to be that unloving to somebody who has not been so favorable to you that you, that you lose your spot? Mm-hmm. That's not worth it to me. I, I, I talk to anybody who's mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what about, what about living like Christ makes it so easy to show kindness and to be a neighbor to somebody who's across the world versus somebody who actually is your neighbor? Like, I might not like Michael. I do like you. <laughs> I might not I like, like oh, Michael, well, but, I'm, <laughs> but I'm willing to go to Africa. I'm willing mm. to go to Asia to go and help somebody, but I will not help Michael. Like, why is it so easy for us to do that? I think it's the disconnect. Mm -hmm. The fact that Michael's way over there and I probably won't ever see him again. So here's $20, live well and prosper. You know, rather than Erwin, who I'm gonna see today, tomorrow, 
next week. It's a continuous process. I have to be nice to him moving <laughs> forward from now on. And that from now on can get a little irritating at times, being that you still, you don't, we haven't truly forgiven whatever's going on. So every time you see him, because you haven't forgiven that person, you think of that same instance. You see, think of that same offense. With you, you probably didn't even do anything wrong to me. Or even if you did, you're so far away that it doesn't matter. So I do you one good, I don't have to deal with you anymore, so oh well. I think it just boils down to living like Christ is laying down my life. And it's something that is very hard to do, you know, because every day we wake up and we think about, you know, um, how are we going to improve our lives? How are we going to improve our personal lives? You see it on magazines. Live your best life. Mm -hmm. You know, um, be the best man or woman that you can be. You hear all these, these sayings, and it's just like God gives you a completely different narrative. He's like, lose your life. Lay it down. Because when you lay it down, um, that's when you'll find me. You know, you find me by getting, by getting lost in me. It's weird, right? But, it but that's God. <laughs> So um, I guess just to wrap it up, so what do you think, and I guess it should not be asked, but when in your personal life, like what ways do you think that you can start living like Christ today? Like, you don't, it would be nice if you gave an example, but you, I guess you don't have to. <laughs> I can give an example. Okay. <laughs> um, in, it's, I guess for me, in my workplace and, and, and the, the nature of the work that I have to do, um, you know, I'm, I work with, with missionaries and I work with a relocation program for them. And, and sometimes you are faced with challenges that directly impact or affect their personal life. And, um, and sometimes that could be their doing. Sometimes that can be an external um, entity's doing or it could be you're doing yourself unknowingly. And, and, and these can cause frustration. Sometimes this can cause uh, situations. But the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that I stay mindful of is the purpose that I'm supposed to have. Uh, the purpose that I see myself in, in the position that I have is, is helping to get someone to a place where their calling is I see the same as mine, to help reach someone else, to help show the love of Christ, to help share the gospel. And, and, and to me, that has to be the number one focus. It has to be above a personal uh, altercation or a situation that, that seems like you can't fix. Um, so when you know, I, I think you can say, when you know your motivations and when you know the purpose of, of, your, of, your, of your action, of whatever it is you're doing, um, you, you kind of feel empowered to work towards that goal. You want to work towards the, the, the Christ-like action. It doesn't happen all the time, and you can't pretend that it will. But, but, it, but if you stay mindful of it, if you set it as a precept for you and how you will carry out your work, um, I believe God wants to help fulfill that desire, and, and I think he, he, he carries through with that. Right. Mine would have to be the golden rule, mm -hmm. treating others the way you want to be treated. I work in an elementary school, so sometimes even with the little people, it can get a little testy down there. But, um, but truly just, you know, making sure if I was that child, if I was that 3, 4 to 12-year-old person, the way that I talk to them, is that the way that I would want to be treated if I was in the same situation? So it's still implementing the same practices no matter what age you're dealing with or who you're instructing and what position that you have, but truly putting yourself in their shoes and treating that person the way that you would like to be treated if you were in a different position. Okay. Thank you very much. And with that, we're going to end. I want to thank you guys so much for being guests on the show today.
If you would like to contact us, please visit our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschoolu, the letter U, .org. Remember, the goal of Bible study is information and transformation. It's for the head and for the heart. For Sabbath School U, I'm Bethany Anderson.